Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. And welcome back to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. This is your host for the evening, Matthew Betts. We are back talking rankings. It is draft season. I'm joined by Matt Okada. We're talking rankings. We're talking consensus rankings. We're giving you our top options this week to target at the running back position. One of my favorite positions to talk about, and it comes to fantasy football. Okada, you can tell I'm jazzed. It's it's football season. We're almost at week three of the preseason. How are you feeling tonight, man? Listen, uh, this podcast basically covers the 10 players that could matter the most when you enter your draft because these are going to be the first round guys basically that you are going to grab maybe early second that are going to form the absolute core of your team and if you miss it's not going to be pretty so we're going to do what we can to get you the best options and uh that jazzes me up because you know i want our listeners to win yeah that's what it's all about man bringing home that trophy and this is such a professional segment oh. segue here. You can get a trophy Ho-ho! from our friends at Trophy Smack. Yes, Trophy Smack is the place to get your fantasy football trophies, belts, rings, draft boards, you name it. They have it. And Okada, have you seen what these guys are putting out on social media? It's incredible. It's it truly mind-blowing. beautiful. And our writing staff right now is in the middle of a slow draft and the guys are great. We have a fantastic squad. You can find their work on redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. But anyway, we were talking and everyone was like, let's play for something this season. So what do we do? We all chipped in a few bucks. And we went and we bought a ring from Trophy Smack. This thing is legit. Mm. It's got diamonds. It's got pearls. It's got engravings. It looks like a freaking Super Bowl ring, okay? And if you want one, go to trophysmack.com. Use our promo code REDSHIRTS. And for a limited time only, when you buy a trophy or belt, you get a free, yes, I said free, <sighs> ring on top of it. What a deal. Free is less than money dollars, is my impression, which yeah, is good. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, if you guys haven't checked out their website, some of the trophies they have, these these permanent trophies, bets. I don't know if you've looked into these for dynasty leagues or long-running leagues. They are literally the coolest thing I've ever seen. They will send you the full base and the topper, and it looks beastly. And then every year, they will engrave and send you a new plaque to smack on there to continue the history and lore of your league. Literally the best looking, feeling, smelling trophies on the market. <laughs> I actually I don't confirm. know if they smell good. I don't have one yet, but I intend to win one and smell it. And moving on. <laughs> you had to make it weird. Uh, All right. On tonight's episode, we are going to actually skip our normal news segment for now. We are, you know, for scheduling purposes, we kind of have a little bit of a, a busy week. So Kata and I are sitting down and recording this early in the week. So by the time this podcast releases, um, a full week will probably have gone by. So it is now August 19th. So if there's any more news that comes out, be sure to hit us up on Twitter. We'll discuss it at RedshirtsFFPod. Okada is at Matt Okada. You can find me at the Fantasy PT. Uh, but without further ado, Okada, let's go ahead and get into the running back rankings. Oh, boy. All right. So we are going with our consensus top 10. Um, 
It will differ a little bit from what you see around in the community, especially when we get towards the very top. And we're going to start it off with a guy, bets that could throw a big fat wrench into our whole record this podcast a week ahead of time thing. Because if he happens to finally sign with his team, Melvin Gordon will rocket up our rankings. However, that does not seem likely at this point. It seems like both sides are very entrenched. Obviously, Melvin Gordon of the Los Angeles, not San Diego Chargers, um, holding out right now as we speak on the 19th for contract purposes, uh, looking to get a new deal in the range of the you know top paid guys, the Gurleys and the David Johnsons. And listen, relative to those guys, he deserves it because his on-the-field production has been absolutely insane. Um, let's see, last three seasons. Let's just let's just go with the last three seasons since his rookie year, which was four years ago. 1,400 scrimmage yards and 12 total touchdowns. 1,600 scrimmage, scrimmage yards and 12 total touchdowns. A 1,400 scrimmage yards and a 14 total touchdowns oh my good gracious golly that is a lot of fantasy points uh last year he was the only guy keeping pace with Todd Gurley for most of the season from a fantasy points perspective uh obviously then they both missed some time but if Melvin Gore's on the field bets you can't really ask for much more let's start with this give me your expectation for the way that this contract situation pans out. Let's start with that. Because that's obviously the biggest question. Oh, this makes me so sad to talk about, but we Ooh. have to do it. Listen, if I'm being honest, I don't feel good about the situation. I don't think Melvin Gordon plays this season. He's been so adamant that he won't play without a new deal and a long-term deal that has guaranteed money built into it. He wants to get the Le'Veon Bell type of treatment with getting respect because as you mentioned the numbers he rattled off you might argue he deserves it but regardless what I feel is going to happen is he does hold out this season and at least miss half the year maybe even more so it really does put us fantasy players in a tough position my hope is that by the time this podcast comes out he will have signed and listeners can just fast forward 30 seconds (laughs) three times to get to the next running back because there's no arguing when he's out there he's elite Okay, so that was question number two. If Let's say he signs the day after this podcast releases because obviously we want to be you know accurate with our information and then he can go sign and our podcast will be fine. Thank you, Melvin, uh, for helping us out with that. But let's say that he does sign. Tomorrow, wink, wink, listeners. <laughs> uh, where does he fall for you? He's immediately RB5 right there, right there behind uh, the big four. With a caveat of if Ezekiel Elliott is still holding out when this podcast comes out, <laughs> then he's RB4. Yeah. Um, yeah, no disagreement from me there. In fact, he may even get a little higher than that for me. I don't know which of the elite group I would kick out, but when Melvin Gordon's playing, he's insane. Um, he did Now, Betsy, he did miss some time last year with injury. Do you expect any of that to carry over, or is, is there any fear of recurrence with those injuries? No, for him, the... Injuries that you're referring to are MCL injuries, which actually happened on both of his knees separately. So two different issues, two two Uh, different injuries. If you remember, he played in the playoff game with two braces on his knees and obviously was hindered, not himself. But regardless, those injuries do well with a full offseason to heal without surgery. So 
the only question mark really, and we talked about this with Bell last year, is if he enters the season, what type of football shape is he in? Does he start the season slow if he signs, let's say, in a week or two weeks? That's really the only concern for me. Otherwise, he gets a green light. Yeah, and I mean, listen, Betts, here's the thing I know about Melvin Gordon. Any problem that fantasy owners ever have with him, he goes ahead and fixes for us. Uh, in year one, he didn't score any touchdowns. I don't know what was wrong with him. By year two, he was he scored 12. Uh, in year two, he only had 41 receptions. Not enough to get you to, into the elite range. By year three, he had 83 receptions. Very much in the elite range. Uh, all three of his first years, he struggled in yards per carry. Less than four. Last year, 5.1. So he has been getting better and better in every aspect of the game. I think he's absolutely a locked-in top five guy if he's playing. It could get higher than that, like I mentioned for me. So you you can't go wrong if he is signed. And by the way, you gave your opinion on that. I didn't, but I really don't disagree. I am concerned about Melvin Gordon from a contract standpoint. I think this could spill over into the season. So obviously keep your eyes on that. In fact, before we move on to number nine bets, give me your next guy that's not in our top 10 outside of Melvin Gordon for our listeners just in case because he's going to keep dropping in our rankings if he stays unsigned. Yeah, the next guy that I think I would sneak in there is probably for me, uh, Damian Williams. I think he would slide right up into RB10. Yep, I think I'm right there with you. We both are believers, despite our good friend, uh, Kent Wyrock, not believing. But <laughs> you will hear about that on the AFC West podcast, which is coming oh, yes. up shortly. All right, let's move up to number nine. At number nine, we have... Minnesota Vikings running back Dalvin Cook. Now, this is actually, bets the widest gap in our top 10 rankings. You have him at 12. I have him at 8. So this is very much my fault. Uh, but I'm going to have you kick us off. Uh, now, I don't think it's fair to say that you're concerned necessarily about Dalvin Cook because you still have him as a top 12 back. But what is your reasoning for having him kind of outside the top 10 uh, as opposed to a little bit higher? For me, it's a combination of health, staying on the field, and the utilization in the offense. And I want to be careful with how I word that because I think he's going to get a ton of volume this season. If you've watched any preseason games from the Vikings, when Alexander Madison is out there with the first-team offense, because they're sitting Dalvin Cook for obvious reasons, he gets so much work. That's Alexander Madison. So you immediately slide Dalvin Cook into that role and good things are going to happen for fantasy. So I've got him as an RB1, like you said, my RB12. But the reason I'm not quite as high on him this season is because he did have a lingering hamstring issue last year. Obviously, ACL injury the year before. He has a history of multiple shoulder injuries dating back to college and high school. So you just want to be able to see him put it together. And last year, the Vikings really got into trouble when they said you know, they're so excited about the prospect of Dalvin Cook being a workhorse back that they got into trouble because he wasn't ready for that full workload coming off the ACL. So my fear is they do the same thing this year. I would actually prefer to have him be a guy that they split work between he and Alexander Mad Madison because Dalvin Cook is good enough to do very well with 15 to 18 touches a game he doesn't necessarily need 25 so i'm kind of hedging here mostly on health but if you're telling me he plays 16 games this ranking for him is way too low yeah typically i think if you guys see a disparity in rankings between bets and i on on more of these elite guys that's going to be the reasoning is that when these guys are injury risks bets kind of pounces on that a little bit more than i do obviously with the injury background 
uh, he probably knows a little better too. So maybe mine should be a little lower, but I'm ho- I'm hopeful for Dalvin Cook. I really want him to stay healthy because if he does, we talked about it briefly on the uh, NFC North pod that I think he has the RB1 upside. Um, if, if he stays healthy for 16, I think this is going to be a good offense. Very good, in fact. Um, I think he will be the absolute bell cow as long as he can stay healthy. And he brings um, excellent talent and production to every part of the game. He can run up between the tackles. He's explosive. He can make the big plays. He had a 70-something yard run, I want to say, last year that he ended up getting tackled on at the one or something like that. So it didn't end up as a touchdown, but it was a beast of a run. Uh, and he's also a great pass catcher. And they came out a little earlier this offseason and said that he is 100% their goal line back. They're committed to that, uh, which is good with Latavius Murray being gone. Obviously, he was siphoning away touchdowns from Cook when they did play together. So I think the upside is incredibly high for Dalvin Cook. Uh, he's my RB8, like I mentioned. That could certainly be low if he plays the full season. But like Bet said, there is a little bit of hedging there with the injury concern. So... My hedging doesn't drop him quite as far, but he's still in our top 10, and he's still a great, great option. So we love that. Uh, Let's hop up to number eight. Number eight is a guy with an interesting outlook for this season because he will potentially have his job threatened halfway through the season by one of the other most elite running backs in the entire league, which is a strange thing to say because you never see that happen. This is Nick Chubb of the... New look Cleveland Browns coming in at nine for both of us bets. We are on the same exact page here. In fact, we stay on the same page for a little while here. Uh, Listen, let's just start with the first eight games of the season when Kareem Hunt's not there. What do you expect from Nick Chubb? Elite fantasy production. In my Mm. opinion, you could argue he is up there with the big four for those first eight games. Like if you're telling me, that he has the entire backfield for a full 16-game slate. I mean, Dontrell Hilliard is the backup at this point for the first eight games. He's going to be elite for fantasy, a very good offense. He'll get pass-catching work. He'll get a ton of work on the ground. He gets work when they get inside close to the goal line. What's not to love with Nick Chubb here in 2019? Yeah, he he was incredible last year, honestly. Uh, let's see. He, he got his first start in Week 7. And he, from then on, started 10 games to close out the season, it looks like. Uh, His 16-game pace in those games, 1,300 rushing yards, 240 receiving yards, 13 total touchdowns. Love it. That is very good for the fantasy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he's going to be incredible for those first eight games at least. This offense, I, I'm a 100% a believer in. I think you are as well. With Baker Mayfield at the helm, uh, Freddie Kitchens and Todd Monken, two offensive guys uh, leading this team from a coaching perspective. The talent across the board at every skill position, it, it kind of harms the receivers or the pass catchers, but I think it's actually good for the lead running back because the better the offense is, the more your team is in the red zone and at the goal line, the better it's going to be for your RB1 in fantasy. So all of that is great for Nick Chubb. I have him for 1,400 rushing yards and 11 touchdowns on the ground, which is even better than his numbers last year uh, projected out. However, there is a darkness, a cloud mm. 
hanging over Nick Chubb, and that is Mr. Kareem Hunt, who was obviously signed by the team after being cut from the Chiefs for bad, bad human behavior. Just Not nice. Just poor choices all around. Um, obviously, the tape that got him kicked off the team. But the Browns and uh, and their their leadership, they didn't seem to mind too much. And uh, honestly, have, have shown a willingness to kind of bring these kinds of guys uh, on. So he's going to show up halfway through the season and threaten Nick Chubb in some way. So obviously, the big question is how and to what... Uh, degree what is your expectation for when kareem hunt comes back i mean it really just depends on how well nick chubb plays what i mean by Mm. that is if he's really having the type of season that you and i are both projecting why on earth would the cleveland browns change what they are doing he's going to be elite for this offense we think it's going to be a very good offense if you're telling me that come week eight they're like five and three or six and two why would they do anything differently and i don't mean that in such a negative way i think he comes right in and is a role player for this offense and very very good role player for this offense but you also have to factor in he's not out there with the team for eight weeks so what does he look like in terms of football shape it might take him a few weeks to get acclimated by that point it's week 11 i mean there's so much that happens in fantasy from changing from week to week with injuries and suspensions and Offense is not being as good as we thought and vice versa. So get rid of the question marks. You have to play for now. And for me, Nick Chubb's value for the first eight weeks of the season plus still locks him in as an RB1 for me this season. Yeah, we talked a little bit on the AFC North uh, projection breakdown pod about, you know, are you would you potentially be interested or willing to draft Nick Chubb and then look to trade him kind of early in the season, a month or two in, knowing that Kareem Hunt would come and take some work back? And I... I don't know necessarily where I fall on that fence, but I will say I am more concerned about Kareem Hunt than Betts is, I I think. Um, you kind of you you asked an interesting question, which is if this team is doing great and Nick Chubb is performing like a beast, why would they switch over to or give much work to Kareem Hunt? And for me, the answer to that question is because he is just as good as Nick Chubb as a running back. And the better decision for an NFL franchise, in my opinion, is to split up the work if you're going to get close to as good or as good production from your second guy. Because it means taking some of those carries off of Nick Chubb's legs and arms and all other body parts uh, (laughs) and keeping him fresh headed into the playoffs. If I was Freddie Kitchens, um, I would give Kareem Hunt... 10 carries ish and probably two to four targets per game. And that's a good amount of touches that are getting siphoned away from Nick Chubb, who with Duke Johnson gone would, would and will be for the first half of the season as much of a bell cow as you'll get in the entire league. Probably. Um, so for the first eight weeks, uh, you opened up with, you could think he could be in the range of that, those elite four. I absolutely believe that. I, I don't necessarily even think it's, um, it's a hot take to say that he will be in that range for those first eight weeks, which makes him fully draftable at this kind of price that we're talking about here. I mean, we both have him ranked as our, what did I say, eight? Uh, yeah, no, nine, but he comes in at eight overall just because of the way averages shake out. 
Um, that's that's an absolute locked and loaded starter, and he'll be better than that for the first half of the season. The only reason he falls that low instead of being our five is that we are afraid of Kareem Hunt. Um, and I'm actually surprised that my rank's not lower than yours because I fear Kareem Hunt a little bit more. Uh, I may have to look into that. I wonder why we're in the same place. Very interesting. But, I don't know. Yeah, but, uh, but to Betts' point, you uh, do not want to play or draft for the end of your season. A lot of people like look at the playoff matchups for your players, weeks 14 through 16, you know, and say, oh boy, I want to get a running back who's playing three bad defenses that, that those three weeks because I know I'm going to be there and I want to win. Bad idea is not smart do not do that no you your team is going to look so different by the time you get there that it really doesn't matter in fact i remember looking over a lot of my teams last year and don't be surprised if you're playing fantasy well if your team is 75 percent different than it was at your at the point of your draft by the time you get to the fantasy playoffs you will drop injured guys you will pick up waiver breakouts you will make trades it, that's too far away to plan. Having said that, for me, week eight is not necessarily too far away to plan. It is a long way away still in fantasy season. That's like two-thirds of the season. But that is enough for me to take Nick Chubb out of the elite top group and down into RB9. In fact, let me ask you this, Bet, since I can't figure out why why I'm lower. Why are you not higher? Why am I not higher on Nick Chubb relative to the other running backs that we're going to talk about? Yeah, if you think he's going to be in the range of the Elite Four before Hunt comes back, but then when Hunt comes back, you really don't feel that much of a threat. Like, what's your touch count for Hunt when he comes back? Yeah, let me pull it up real quick. I've got Kareem Hunt with a season total carry count. So this will be after week eight, obviously. 51 rush attempts. I've got him for three, three rushing touchdowns. I've got him for 38 targets and 29 receptions uh, and a receiving touchdown. So hmm. I think he basically does what like Duke Johnson would do for the first eight games of the season, if that makes hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's I'm kind of like null on that where Nick Chubb is there and Duke Johnson was going to be there, and, and I factored that in. Now I elevate Nick Chubb because Duke Johnson is gone. Hilliard is a huge question mark. But you insert Kareem Hunt back in. I think he takes over the Duke Johnson role. So, you know, last season from when you said he got his first start, week seven to week sixteen, Nick Chubb was the RB seven in fantasy, and Duke Johnson was there. So, that's my rationale for why I have him where he is. All right, I can respect it. Uh, all right, let's move on from a guy with a few unique question marks to a guy with. One gigantic question mark, and it is painted on his knee. This is Todd Gurley. Now, I feel dirty having Todd Gurley at RB7. So, probably each day from now until the 26th, which is a week from now, I'm going to raise Todd Gurley by one spot in my rankings. (laughs) No, not really. But the closer we get to the season, uh, with good reports coming out, the better it is for Todd Gurley. Obviously... Coming off the knee, I don't even know what to call it, Bets. Do you have a name for it last year? Flare-up. Flare-up. What does that even mean? I don't know. It's on fire, apparently. <laughs> he, it's so hot. He, for some reason, fell apart uh, at the end of last season, missed two games of the regular season, 
did come back from the playoffs, had some incredible showings, and then disappeared randomly for other showings. And we got no good explanations from the coaching staff, no good explanations from Todd Gurley. CJ Anderson tried to give us an explanation that was like, this, things are worse than you've heard. And then CJ Anderson got booted from the team. Probably not related, but uh, yeah, it, it it's almost as confusing as the current Andrew Luck situation. We really don't know what happened, to what degree it was hurting, or whether he was held out of those touches and games because of the knee and he really wasn't good to go, or if just Sean McVay wasn't making the right choices, which is kind of the way he tried to couch it, especially after the Super Bowl. All that being said, Todd Gurley is the best fantasy running back in the league when he is healthy. Do you disagree? Not at all. Okay. So that's that's not a... Uh, trite statement because you've got f- uh, six guys that we're about to talk about who are all super elite at the position um literally the best of the best and we just said without hesitation that Todd Gurley is better than all of them when he's playing but he's down here at number seven and that continues to be a reflection of the ongoing knee concerns I believe my understanding is they're not going to play him at all this preseason uh so bets let's see Let's start with the injury stuff because you're the injury guy. Give me the full, your fullest yet analysis of this knee because this is the podcast where we where we should dive into this. This is the podcast where everyone is prepping to make their first round pick and they see Todd Gurley there on the board at the 8th or 10th or 12th spot in the draft and they're like, what in tarnation? How did the best fantasy player in, in the whole league <laughs> fall to me, dumb diddly? <laughs> and they want to pick him. And we need to know whether we can. So feel free to take the remaining 35 minutes of this podcast and talk about Todd Gurley. <laughs> I was going to say, we might just want to do a two-part series here. We'll go through our <laughs> first five running backs because we're not going to have time if I talk about Todd Gurley for that long. But yeah, I I do think it you know it warrants conversation. So I think it's a good thing that, like you said, having an injury background helps provide our listeners with something that they don't get from other shows and websites. And I want to at least give us, you know, that time to talk about it because you mentioned, you know, talking about the playoff scenario and the end of the season with Todd Gurley that we didn't really know what was going on, but now we know. And here's the unfortunate truth. Arthritis is present in up to 80% of athletes coming off of an ACL injury in subsequent seasons. And it gets worse each year out from surgery. Pause. When you when people say arthritis, we all think of nice old grandpa and grandmas who we love, but who have you know worn down over many many years and they can't walk as fast or hold their canes or whatever the thing. What the heck does it mean in a elite NFL athlete who's twenty four years old? By the way, Todd Gurley is so young still. Yeah, unfortunately for Todd Gurley, he's going to be one of those very nice grandpas probably someday. <laughs> like you're describing, but he's young, like you said. And so for him, arthritis is different than an older 75 year old adult. What's going on. It's different is they look at the knee and they do imaging. So they do a series of x-rays and you can look at the x-ray and you can see what changes happen in the joint. And then we definitely don't have time for this, but basically they grade the severity based off of what they see, um, how much degradation there is of cartilage. So there's, it's a whole spectrum basically. So when someone says you have arthritis, it is not an all encompassing term, meaning you could have very mild changes in the joint. You could have very little pain, very little swelling, but by, 
you know, diagnosis, you have arthritis. And then there's the extreme scenario where the joint is so damaged that you need it replaced in your 70-year-old adult. So it's a complete spectrum. For Todd Gurley, he's probably on the lower end because A, he's super young. B, the best thing you can do for an ACL injury with um, cartilage injury and or arthritis is strengthen the heck out of your legs and your quads. And you can't tell me Todd Gurley is weak. And then you know, the next thing is basically just being smart about your activities, how much you're stressing your knee day to day in life. And so for an NFL running back, that's different than you or I, obviously, you know, they're working out almost every day of the week. And so that's really where it comes in for Todd Gurley. If the Rams are smart with him this season, there is no way you should pass on him at the, at the back end of round one in your fantasy drafts because of what he offers you in terms of upside. If the Rams are smart with how they manage his reps in the game and throughout the season, he'll be there at the end of the year. And I think we're kidding ourselves if they don't have Super Bowl aspirations. So let's not forget, they were close last year. I mean, they obviously lost in the Super Bowl. So if they want to learn from their mistakes last year, it's that they don't run him into the ground from week one to week like 12 or 13 when the injury happened last year. They spread the touches out throughout the course of the year. They give work to the backups. They use him more in ways that are creative, so it's not like he's running into linemen and and being in these situations where his knee can get twisted. All that to say, draft Todd Gurley with confidence this season because, for me, his injury risk is baked in because, like you said, if he doesn't have any injuries, he's the 101 without question. No one can question it. But you're getting him at the back end of round one, sometimes in round two, and I've even gotten him in round three, which is ridiculous. So at that price, you have to go in on the risk because Todd Gurley is an elite fantasy running back. Yeah. Okay. So before we move on, let's just hit on that really quick, the exact upside uh, upside of Todd Gurley. So I got some numbers for you, Betts. Are you ready for this? I think so. I'm not sure. Over the last two seasons, which is the Sean McVay era, so I'm going to completely ignore the two years before that, in which, by the way, he was still very good for fantasy. But we're talking about a completely new system that he's now in. In these two seasons, 3,924 scrimmage yards combined with not 20, not 30, but 40 scrimmage touchdowns. What? What did you say? That is <laughs> that would be good if it was a four season pace. This is a two season situation. And by the way, if you just he missed one game in 2017 and two games in 2018. Let's say that by some miracle that because they uh, handle him a little better, he lasts all 16 games. The 16 game pace over the last two seasons, best it's 2,200 yards and 22 touchdowns. That's like Ladanian Tomlinson ridiculous uh, ridiculousness he is so much better than everybody else I, if you took last year's per game numbers bets and you subtracted 15 percent of his fantasy points he would still be better than the number two running back in half point ppr which was saquon barkley that 15 percent i what did, i that's that's obscene you can't even put words to it. It's that obscene. Yeah, I can't. And I'll give you another one because this one's even more obscene. If you took away... Are you ready for this, bet? You're not ready. You should probably I'm, sit down. I'm not ready. I'm going to sit down right now. <laughs> if you took away 55%, <clears throat> shout out to the fantasy footballers, 55% of his 
fantasy points last year, he would still have finished above Joe Mixon, who was the RB9 in fantasy points per game. Wow. That is how good Todd Gurley is, guys. That is nuts. That is obscene. This guy is out of control good. He is talented. He has opportunity. He can catch the ball. He has. He's on the best, if not one of, at worst, one of the three best offenses in the league with possibly the best offensive-minded head coach in the league. There is literally zero question that he is the best red zone weapon in the entire National Football League. And this, by the way, is what it really boils down to for me, I think, when I'm evaluating this situation. And by the way, the more I talk about this, bets, the more I decide that I need to move Todd Gurley up my ranking. So he might not be the slow next time we talk. But when he gets into the when the Rams get into the red zone, into the 10 zone especially, Todd Gurley is so much better than any other player as far as who the team is going to look to that I don't think it matters if his touch count drops down. Let's say he loses five touches a game, which is a lot, by the way. Most of those are going to come between the 20s where he's getting, you know, five, six, seven yards a touch if you count uh, carries and receptions. So you're losing, you know, uh, two and a half fantasy points a game. But he's not coming out of those red zone slash Ted zone slash goal line situations because he's way too good at that, which means his touchdowns are not going anywhere, in my personal opinion. So I don't think he's going to even get close to losing 50% of his fantasy value, let alone 20 or even 15%. And as I just mentioned, if he loses 15%, he's still the RB1 last year. So, sorry, I don't know what I don't know what to tell you guys. Todd Gurley, he must be drafted. If you can get him where he is currently being drafted, which is the end of round one. So if you have a late round one pick or even, well, if you have a late round one pick, you have an early round two pick. You might even be able to wait to round two is my point. But I wouldn't even necessarily do that. If you're around the 7, 8, 9 slot and you're okay with a little bit of risk, draft Todd Gurley. He is insanely good. Yeah, and, and just one last kind of word to the wise. You know, this is a situation, like I said, it's it's a season-long management issue. There is no, quote, injury. Like, it's, it's not something that's just going to be like, he's either good or he's not. Like, they're going to, it's going to be a, a continuous flow. So... I just want people to be aware. Don't be worried when you see Todd Gurley with a DNP did not practice on Wednesday, did not practice on Thursday. He's going to be managed throughout the season. They want to have him for the game. And you just said Okada with all of those crazy statistics (laughs) when he's in the game, that boy is good. Now I've got to ask you one other question. Ooh, what it is. Well, two actually, because I just thought of a second. Oh gosh. Number one, did you see the Instagram post with Todd Gurley and his new cat? Yes, I did. In fact, I retweeted it and said, adjust your rankings accordingly because I am not a cat person and that was unfortunate. Cats are the worst. True. He would have been my RB6, but I dropped him down to RB7 because of that. (laughs) Not really. Uh, Second question, who is the backup to own? Because that's what people want to know. Who are you drafting? Is it Malcolm Brown or is it Daryl Henderson? Um... Wow, you the, the first question was a lot easier to answer, Ben. <laughs> uh, I am going to take a coin, flip it, and give a player to each side and take that player. Uh, no, not really, but I'm almost that unsure about the, the situation here. So look, Malcolm Brown, they like Malcolm Brown. 
Uh, he was injured last season, so we did not get to see him filling in for uh, Todd Gurley, but he would have been the guy to fill in had he not been injured, and of course they brought in C.J. Anderson. By the way, what we saw from C.J. Anderson should tell you something about owning the backup in this offense, and about Todd Gurley himself, because if C.J. Anderson can continue doing that, imagine what Todd Gurley can do. Uh, but then they went out and drafted Daryl Henderson with some solid draft capital. So we can't ignore that either. Um, right now, I'll tell you this. This is the easy way to answer the question. Draft Malcolm Brown. Because drafting Daryl Henderson is a very hefty investment. Far heftier than I would like it to be. Uh, how hefty, you ask? Eighth round right now on Fantasy Football Calculator. Uh, that's around guys like Jordan Howard, Royce Freeman. Those are guys you know are going to produce, honestly. So I'm not... I'm just not willing to buy there. Whereas Malcolm Brown is going in the 14th round. Um, so if you if you really want to draft one, it would probably be Malcolm Brown. Now, if you're desperate to own the guy that you think will take over, I still think I probably lean Malcolm Brown a little bit, but Daryl Henderson could be great. He it will take some flashes from him to kind of, I think, overcome Malcolm Brown. And there's a small chance that they kind of just split the work between them a little bit if Gurley misses time. So I don't know how good of an answer that was to your question because it was kind of convoluted and I tried to skirt it wherever possible. I saw but, that. Yeah. I heard that, I should say. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a more definitive answer or are you kind of in a similar wishy-washy boat? Um, at draft price, there's no way I'm touching Daryl Henderson. Right. There's too much talent on the board around him that I would prefer that we know are going to provide value to your fantasy roster this season. Malcolm Brown is way cheaper. He's the guy I'm going after. And one thing that I put out on Twitter that people were not happy about was I just said, it, you know, Daryl Henderson is a guy getting so much work in the preseason over the first two weeks. When you look at players that have established roles in an offense that doesn't usually happen and people mm. were like, what do you mean? He's a rookie. Of course he needs work. I don't agree. I mean, you don't see Josh Jacobs getting 20 touches in two weeks. Like, mm. it's not happening. So, yes, it's a different role. Yes, it's a different scenario. For me, draft price is really the, the deciding factor. I'll take Malcolm Brown. Yeah. I will say I drafted both of them in a semi-dynasty startup uh, this past month because I have Gurley. So I just took both because you can get them at a decent value. And I'm sitting on the two until I see what happens. All right. Thank you, Todd Gurley, for taking up half our show. Uh, but seriously, I don't blame you. You are the most important thing to talk about, really, in all of fantasy, potentially, certainly in this particular episode. So let's move on, Bets, to number six. Number six is also number six for both of us, and it's David Johnson. Of the Arizona Cardinals, obviously in a brand new offense, which we have not yet broken down from a projection standpoint. In fact, we also didn't do Gur Gordon or Gurley because they all belong in the West and that pod has yet to be released. So check out both of those podcasts, AFC and NFC West, when they drop for some more info on the whole team. But let's dive into David Johnson, obviously coming off of what you could call a disappointing season where he finished around the RB10, depending on your format. Obviously, it doesn't sound bad, but he was getting drafted as a top two or three guy coming off of injury, uh, an injury season. In fact, two injured seasons before that. Going way back to when he was healthy and in a good offense, David Johnson was the best fantasy running back in the entire league. Obviously, the offense has changed quite a bit. We got Cliff Kingsbury coming in, bringing his, we don't know exactly what, 
maybe his Texas Tech uh, air raid system. It's certainly going to be unique, uh, and it's certainly going to be different from the horror we had to witness in Arizona last year where they ran David Johnson up the middle uh, into a terrible offensive line and refused to use him properly in the passing game, and it was a hot mess. So, with all this change, obviously you're feeling positive because you have him at six. How high could he be for you, and what level of risk is there still inherent in DJ for you? Yeah, I mean, the ceiling, I think, is probably RB two or three. Like, there certainly is some upside with DJ. We've seen it before. He was the RB1 a few years ago. The talent is not a question. It's really the offensive line for me and playing with a rookie quarterback who I will not name because of mm. you um, and a new offense. So there's, there's certainly question marks regarding David Johnson this season, but I think there's going to be enough volume and certainly the offensive line can not get worse than it was last year. Like you said, finishes are either the RB nine or 10, depending on your scoring format. So, to me, that's his floor, and I think six is a very fair ranking because of that with a little bit of upside baked in. The thing for me that I get really excited about is the passing work that he's going to get with Kyler Murray opening up a lot in the passing game. Obviously, oh. you know he's a, a rushing quarterback. I named him. I said I wasn't going to You said his it, name. Dang it. <laughs> um, but I want to provide a little bit of insight here for our listeners. Dating back to the college days for Cliff Kingsbury, he – um, used the running back so much that since 2014, the running back in his offense has compiled the sixth most targets, the sixth most receptions, fifth most receiving yards, and sixth most first downs in the NCAA. Wow. So that running back is going to get used a lot. Yeah, and when you're as good at catching the ball as David Johnson is, that's going to mean a lot of fantasy production. So DJ has a lot, a lot of upside. You said top two or three. I think he could easily be the RB1 uh, if things uh, kind of pan out right for this offense. And obviously that is the big question mark. How well it will pan out? Will this offensive line be any better? Kyler Murray's rushing, by the way, will help David Johnson, I believe. Uh, a running quarterback typically means good things for a running back because you've got read options and linebackers and safeties have to keep an eye on Kyler which means they have to keep less eyes on David Johnson because they only have two eyes and they're not chameleons, so they can only look in one place. That is how <laughs> human anatomy works. See, Hard I'm good at this too, but yeah. Um, but yeah, he he's incredible. One of the most talented backs in the league. Tons of upside. The only reason he's down here at six instead of maybe a little higher for us is because of that unknown with the offense. So very draftable. Uh, he's one of my favorite targets, I think, after the Elite Four go off the board, uh, especially if you really want a running back even at five. Um, you don't want to go receiver yet? I don't mind looking at David Johnson. Now, the next guy is the guy we have ranked at five, but similar to Melvin Gordon, there are a lot of issues with drafting this guy right now. It's Ezekiel Elliott, also in a contract dispute. Come on, guys. Stop it with these contract disputes. They are really messing up our fantasy drafts. Uh, and also, this is why you shouldn't draft until as late into the preseason as possible. Now, Zeke's contract situation is very weird because he's still two years away from being a free agent, uh, still very much in the heart of his rookie deal, but he wants a new one. He wants a new deal, and he has stated that he's willing to sit as long as it takes to get it. 
Um, I've mentioned on the podcast before, there's a lot of question marks surrounding like season accrual for Ezekiel Elliott and free agency and things like that. Just to break it down for you guys really quickly, in case you have that question, Zeke, if he does not accrue a season this year, which I believe he has to come back by week six or eight or ten. It's one of those weeks. You know off the top of your head? <laughs> it's somewhere you in the just mid-season. Named, like every week of the season. <laughs> yes. Uh, sorry, I don't know the exact week, but it's sometime mid-season. If he doesn't come back by then, he doesn't accrue a season toward free agency. You have to get to four to become a free agent. He has three so far. However, because Zeke is doing this two years before he hits free agency, he can still accrue his fourth season in 2020. So theoretically, he could set out this whole year and then play next year. Now, if he sat out this whole year and didn't get a contract, you would beg the question, why don't you just set out another year? Because otherwise, you're not getting what you want. So it's, it's, it's a mess with Zeke Elliott. But... And I have more confidence in this than I do with Melvin Gordon. But there's a chance he signs. I think there's a chance he signs soon. My initial projected date has passed. That's unfortunate. But I do think he gets signed. Betts, do you feel confident he gets signed? And if he does, how high does he jump? Currently at four for you, five for me. This is another situation. I just hope that our listeners can skip forward because if this podcast comes out after the fact, He's obviously our combined consensus RB1, I think, for both of us, I would say. Yep. So it's a mute point, but we definitely have to talk about it unless he signs, which if you would have asked me a week ago, I would have said I'm pretty confident about him signing a deal because this offense in general, I think, needs Zeke, especially to compete in the NFC East with the Eagles, to make a playoff run, to maybe make a Super Bowl run. I mean, now is the time for this team, but... There's more news that just came out today as of this recording that, you know, Zeke and his uh, his agent are a little bit upset about Jerry Jones' comment mm-hmm. on Saturday night where a reporter asked Jones basically about the performance of the other running backs and to that question he answered, Zeke who? Mm, so a little savage. bit of shade being thrown Zeke's way. Now, to counter that, Zeke is back in Texas. He flew back from Mexico. So there's a little bit of speculation that maybe... The two sides can talk and work some things out. But regardless, each day that passes, he is going to start to drop a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. The risk is certainly there. But like I said, he's our RB1. So I think having him ranked here bakes in that risk. If he's there at the end of round one or even round two, if I'm drafting today, I'm good with that risk. Yeah, I agree. He's fully my RB1 overall if he's back, which, again, I do expect him to be, but you can't draft him like that right now, especially since these top four guys have similar ability and upside, uh, but without all the risk. So hopefully Zeke gets back. He's uh, He's got one of the best offensive lines in the league, combined with some of the best talent in the league, uh, and a rushing quarterback in Dak Prescott who can help stretch the field like Kyler does. And now a better uh, weaponry around him with Amari Cooper in town, which, by the way, uh, skyrocketed Zeke's receiving production last year. He was already much better last year in the receiving game, but after Cooper got there, his uh, targets and receptions went way up, which is quite surprising, but true. So, uh, yeah, he's elite if he's playing. Please sign your contract, Zeke. Thank you. Moving on. Coming in at number four is Christian McCaffrey. Carolina Panthers wide running back because he's clearly <laughs> more than just a running back 
He's also very wide in the shoulder, by the way, with those arms. Uh, but listen, this guy had 107 catches last year, broke the running back record. Absolutely insane. PPR stud. I don't know. Is there anything to say here besides he's a top four lock? And if you're in a PPR league, he's in consideration for maybe top two or three bets. It's it's ridiculous what this guy did last year on the on the ground and through the air. Wide receiver 17 if you take away every single thing he did on the ground. Wow. He was a wide receiver last year. So, yeah, I mean, he's elite when it comes to any format, let alone a PPR. I can't argue with anyone that wants to take him one-on-one. So he's a lock for a top four season, in my opinion. One thing I will say, though, um, let's just kind of talk about Cam Newton quickly. And we talked about this on our NFC South podcast. But last year we saw uh, towards the end of the season when Newton was banged up, the shoulder wasn't right. He couldn't throw the ball downfield. McCaffrey definitely benefited from that and got a ton of passing work in the short game because Newton just had to dump it off. He didn't have another choice. So I'm not saying, you know, CMC is not going to get the passing volume. He 100% is, but we just might not see it quite to the same level that we did last year. But regardless, for me and for you, he's top four. No questions asked. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, Might even be potentially the safest running back in all of fantasy there's one guy who could potentially probably beat him in that category and he's our number one overall so i won't spoil it but let's go on to number three because that is a very exciting because it's james connor Ooh, bets this is my fault i cannot deny it uh james connor as we talked about on the afc north podcast is my number two running back right now uh now that's very subject to change uh if zeke comes back um, obviously he would jump up above Connor, but he, he does fit into the elite four range for me. Uh, I love this offense. This offensive line is good. I believe that the offense takes very little, uh, in the way of a step back without Antonio Brown, uh, far less actually than I thought when, la- when Antonio Brown got shipped off, I was afraid that this offense would tank. But after doing my projections, seeing what Connor and Juju Smith-Schuster obviously both did last year, I'm very confident. I believe this offense can maintain their uh, elite status, and James Connor will benefit from that. He was extremely productive when healthy last year. He did miss a couple games, but I don't think those are going to be long-term recurring issues, bets. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that or if you have any concerns. But yeah, I love James Conner. He's my number two running back, and I have elevated him to number three in our consensus rankings. You have him at five, so actually quite high also. In fact, I'd say that's higher than the average bear. So oh, yes. uh, give me give me your thoughts on my RB2. Yeah, I'm not quite <laughs> as high as you. I'm not sipping the silly juice over there, but hey. uh, I definitely do like Conner. Like you said, higher than consensus. I'm with you. The Antonio Brown thing, like you, did scare me initially, but same thing as you were saying, when you do the projections and the numbers come out, I mean, I have James Conner as the second leading receiver on this team when it comes to target share. He's elite at that. He has demonstrated last season that he can do it all on the ground, through the air. There are so many targets to distribute between Antonio Brown and Jesse James that we all want to give them to Vance McDonald and James Washington and Dante Moncrief. Let's not forget what James Conner did last season, catching the ball at a very high rate uh, with consistency. So I don't think that changes. I think the offense is still good. 
And for that reason, he falls as the RB5 in my rankings. You asked about the injury concern. He did have a high ankle sprain last year. My rankings, as we talked about, reflect injury risk. So if I have him at five, for me, I'm not concerned. Last season, I was telling people, like, be careful because, you know, a low-grade ankle sprain, especially of the high ankle variety, can linger for a few weeks, especially trying to play through. But a full offseason to recover and let those ligaments heal, for me, he's a, uh, a green light for the season. Love it. Uh, yeah, well, listen, we are a little bit hot on this, guys. You're not going to see this around town as often. James Conner at number two, or number three overall, my number two. Uh, but we really do believe in it. Um, what's interesting with Connor Betts is you don't have to take him here, obviously. Now, it's not like you get to choose too much where you take him. It's kind of just if you fall in the right place in your drafts. Uh, but if you're in the 8, 9, 10 slot of your draft, you don't even have to take him necessarily with your first pick. You could get one of the elite wide receivers and probably get James Connor on the way back, uh, the way the ADP pans out right now. So... I, I wouldn't necessarily do that because I'm so confident in James Conner that I'd be willing to go in on him early. Uh, but if certainly if you have an end of the first round pick and you can start with like a Conner Julio stack or a Conner Michael Thomas stack, whatever your go-to wide receiver is there, that's an incredible start for me and I would love it. Uh, all right, here's what we're going to do, Bets, Because the next two guys, number two and number one, each of them is our... One of them each is... I don't know how to say this. I have one of them ranked number one. You have the other one ranked number one. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna name them both so that we don't leave the suspense. Uh, give you a quick overview, or give the listeners a quick overview of both, and then you give me your argument for your guy, and then I'll give my argument for my guy. So, all right, I like it. In no particular order. In fact, screw that. In alphabetical order by first name, so as to not reveal who's our true number one. We have Alvin Kamara of the New Orleans Saints and Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants. So these guys are the super elites, obviously. Uh, Kamara coming into his third season off of back-to-back 1,500-plus yard campaigns, 13-plus touchdowns in both of those years. Last year, he was the RB3 on a point-per-game basis at 20.9 points per game in a half PPR league. Some of that came uh, as a little bit as a boost uh, from having Mark Ingram out in the first four weeks, but now Latavius Murray, or now Mark Ingram is gone, and Latavius Murray is in. So that'll be interesting. Meanwhile, Saquon Barkley, obviously coming off his rookie season, 2,000 yards from scrimmage in his first year in the league, and 15 touchdowns. Extremely impressive. Both of these guys are talented out the wazoo. They are two of the hardest players to tackle in the league. Obviously, the biggest difference is the offense. Kamara is on one of the best offenses in the league. Saquon Barkley is in a questionable offense at best. But, Betts, give me your reasoning for having Saquon Barkley as your number one. He is your guy. He's my guy this season. I was concerned about him last season just because we were talking about how the offensive would look. We were concerned. Are, are they going to be good? Can they move the ball? Can they produce for Saquon Barkley to produce as an elite fantasy option? And I think the renowning, renowning question, you know, answer there is, yeah, he can do it. And he's going to do it this season again because of sheer passing volume alone. 
it's not going to be pretty. I don't think there's going to be a ton of, you know, eight, nine, seven yard rush attempts where everything is nice and clean. He's going to run into the back of his lineman once or twice. He's going to have a two yard rush here and there, but he's also then going to follow it up with a 90 yard touchdown run and it's going to balance out at the end of the season. So the volume is so safe. The passing volume is elite. He's just so consistent. I mean, how can you argue against Saquon Barkley, who finished as an RB1 or 2 in all but one of his starts last season? Yeah. Give me Saquon um, Barkley. Yeah, I'll tell you how you can argue against Saquon Barkley, bets, because I will do it right now. Uh, I have him all the way down at running back three. Oh. Straight trash. Spicy. <laughs> No, not at all. He's incredible. Uh, in fact, if you go to redshirtsfantasyfootball.com and go to the redraft rankings, he is the featured picture uh, on the page, mainly because he looks incredible in a football uniform. Uh, anyways, moving on from that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but listen, here's what it boils down to for me. Obviously, I have Barkley at three, Kamara at one. Betts has Kamara at two, Barkley at one. So Kamara actually is our consensus number one, so, so you guys are aware. This is what it boils down to for me, Bets. Last year, Barkley was the RB2 on a points-per-game basis. He averaged 0.4 more fantasy points than Alvin Kamara in a half-PPR format. So he was better, technically. But they for me, they're trending in slightly opposite directions going into this year. The main reason, obviously is the question mark surrounding the Giants offense. Odell Beckham Jr., gone. Best weapon, best field stretcher on the team. One of the best at both of those things in the league. Quarterback situation, we don't know. It's Eli Manning, maybe, right now. We don't even actually know that because Daniel Jones has been balling out in the preseason. Uh, it could end up being Daniel Jones. And, spoiler alert, guys, Daniel Jones is not as good as he looks in the preseason, okay? <laughs> no, Here's how you know, all right? Just side note uh, for all you guys who think, oh my gosh, everyone's wrong about Daniel Jones. He's incredible. This is how you know that Daniel Jones isn't as good as he looks in the preseason because no one is as good in the real regular season as Daniel Jones is right now. So clearly... This is not indicative of what you should expect in the regular season, okay? This is preseason. It's not going to pan out like this. Number two, the weapons besides Odell Beckham Jr. in that receiving core, now that he is gone, are also a hot mess. Even when they're even like disregarding the fact that they're just not very good, they're also not playing. Golden Tate suspended for four games. Sterling Shepard is injured with a thumb. I think he's getting back on the field now, but... Yeah, he'll be fine. Uh, okay, he'll be fine. It's still a little concerning for me that they have no one that's really ready to be relied upon as an elite, or not not an elite, a solid, strong uh, outside weapon to help keep attention off Saquon Barkley. He's going to end up facing some of the most tight-packed boxes in the entire league, probably 12-man boxes, which is impossible because there's only 11 defenders, but that's how bad it's going to be. Listen, one of the Giants' offensive linemen who's not good their butt is going to end up being the 12th defender. That's how bad it is for Saquon in this offense. Now, obviously, Mark Sanchez I, style. Exactly. Obviously, I believe in Saquon because I still have him ranked number three despite all this crap I just shared. And that's because he's possibly the most purely talented runner or running back in the entire league. He's incredible. There's no, no denying that, no doubt. However, Kamara, like I said, 0.4 fewer points per game last year than Barkley. 
And he is in an offense with a great offensive line, a great head coach who knows how to use his running backs and design an excellent offense, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time who, despite not being great for fantasy in Drew Brees, is still excellent at commanding a team, working an offense, and passing the ball when he needs to, and certainly at hitting Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. This the It's almost as far apart as you can get in, the, in that sense, in the sense of the teams around them. And despite the fact that Barkley's talent I would rate higher, Kamara is as close as you can be. He is incredibly talented. So for me, he just barely edges out Barkley from a fantasy perspective. I think that he has probably the best chance in the league to lead the NFL in touchdowns outside of Todd Gurley. Uh, That's Kamara. So if he's in that 18 touchdown range again or even higher, which is a possibility with Mark Ingram gone and Latavius Murray in. We don't know how much of a drop-off, if at all, that will be, but I think it's likely to be a tiny bit of a drop-off. All that taken into account, Kamara's my number one right now until Zeke comes back and he edges out Barkley. Do you have a rebuttal, bets, or are you okay with this massive gap in our rankings? Such a big gap in our rankings. Um, no. If there was such thing as a... I guess with Zeke there, a four-sided coin, I would flip yep. it because <laughs> mm. that's how close these guys are. I mean, you you cannot argue against anyone in the top four. Alvin Kamara, like you said, is our consensus one for a reason. Love the guy. He's elite. His 33 uh, attempts inside the 10 zone only behind Todd Gurley last year, so it's not like he doesn't even get utilized there that you can argue against him. He's the whole package. Love both these guys. Draft them both with confidence. 100%. All right. That wraps up our running back preview. Top 10. These are the guys you're looking at in the first two rounds, listeners. Uh, Hopefully, you can come away with one of them. If you want to go wide receiver, wide receiver, that's fine. I don't judge you. In fact, I did that exact thing in the Red Shirts Riders League. You did? Um, I did. So if you want to do that, I'll tell you what. You should listen to the wide receiver top 10, Ooh. which will be coming up shortly. Uh, yeah, check that out so you know what to do if you want to go that way. Or if you want to draft one of each. Or, bets if you want to draft a tight end, no, you'll have, to, you'll have to wait all the way until the tight end pod. And there's only <laughs> one in consideration in those first two rounds. Spoiler alert. We'll get all we'll get to all those later. For now, that's the running backs. Hit us up with your thoughts on Twitter if you feel so inclined. If you're uh, want to sass me for my James Conner love or question bets about Todd Gurley and his outlook on that knee, hit us up at Redshirts FF Pod. Bets is at the Fantasy PT as mentioned. I'm at Matt Okada, uh, and until next time, we are the Redshirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.